dive into the text. Um, I have what's called the chameleon voice. I don't know if any of y'all experienced this. Uh, it's where like when someone has an accent around you, you kind of take it on. Do you know what I'm saying? Does anyone do this but me? Like, I don't, I'm not even thinking about it, but man, if a British person comes talking to me, I'm like, yeah, how you doing? You know, I'm like, and like my friends and my wife, like, what are you, what are you doing? One of my closest friends, like he is straight from Mexico, right? And, and just started speaking English, but we hang out a lot and y'all, I don't know how to even like give you the example without it feeling really racist, so I'm not going to try but I just do it. I just talk like him. And my wife's like, why are you talking like Jose? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just do this. It's weird. I've been listening to a lot of Hillsong lately and watching some Bluey. And then I start talking like Australian. I don't know if y'all have kids or know what Bluey is, but if you babysit, you probably know. Anyway, I have a chameleon voice. I start just sounding like people. But this is true of human natures. We tend to follow people and become like them. And God wired that in us, and he wants us to follow him. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, because after talking about all these things, fresh start and all this, it's kind of like, now what? I'm in this new story. I'm working on my mind, but so what? I don't know if you've ever had this thought, but when Jesus saved us and we get baptized and it was awesome, it's kind of like, now what? Are we just supposed to like have a nice life you know, get that degree, get that job, get that white picket fence, have this nice like life. And we're just kind of all waiting around for heaven. No, like there's more to the story. There is more. And, and what I want to talk about tonight is Jesus's last word. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. It's pretty good. It's week, it's week four. So we're already slowing down. What is the old uh, adage that says vision leaks? Uh, you got to kind of keep giving vision. All right, let's try it one more time, y'all. We're excited about the Bible. By the way, y'all did great on Sunday. I was in the back because of Baptist, but like uh, I heard from Bobby's like, it was in stereo. I was like, yeah, it was the week before too, and you didn't say anything, but that's okay. If you got a Bible, turn to Matthew 28. Yeah! yeah! That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Matthew 28, you, many of you who've grown up in church are familiar with this. But I need to dive into a couple things tonight about it. Because these are Jesus' last words. These are his last words like he's already died, was crucified, has already risen, and he's like appeared to all these people. And one of the greatest evidences that Jesus' resurrection is legitimate is the fact that he appeared to all these people. And they were talking about it in the first century church and no one was like, no, no, that can't be true. Like they were like, yeah, like we saw him. Even non-believers testifying to seeing Jesus after the resurrection. It's crazy. So he is, though, uh, already, um, he's already, like, risen from the dead, and he's given some last words. And the last words in Matthew, his final words are this, and it says in verse 18, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Like, all of it. I am boss over everything. I am over everything. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you ask what it's there for. It's because of the all authority. He says this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe, that is to do and obey all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you 
always. We have this amazing promise that even though I'm going, I'm with you. I'm in this with you. And you're not done. You're not coming with me to heaven right now. I've left the church on the earth for a reason, and it's to go and make disciples of all nations. So no matter what church that is out there and all of our amazing mission statements, purpose statements, and all this we have, we have a great uh, mission statement here as a church. But underneath it all, it's really to go and make disciples of all nations. That's why the church exists. And we get in these arguments, is it evangelism or discipleship? I'm going to tell you, uh, it's discipleship with evangelism being the key component, right? Like that's, we reach people and then we raise them up and we train them. And so God is calling us, Christ is saying, I have all authority, so go and make disciples. So I'm like, great, that's awesome. We're in, let's go make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? Because we have a lot of church terms we use like this, like a disciple of Jesus. Like, what does that mean? And this is not rhetorical. I'm real curious. How would you define what it is to be a disciple? What would you say a disciple is? Okay, someone who brings someone to Jesus is a disciple. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. So being in a community with people that are wanting to follow Jesus and do great things, is that, did I get it right? Okay, I like it. What else? What is a disciple? And by the way, if you're one of our interns, we've talked about this already, you don't get to answer. A follower of Jesus. Great. That was good. That was was a good one. You win the prize. Just got baptized and now she got an A on the test. Uh, Yeah. All good. What's funny is I was like with a bunch of pastors and this question was asked us and we were all like arguing over it. Like, well, it's kind of because like a disciple is someone who's, well, and then, and we were like arguing and it was like, hey, how come we don't all have the same definition? How do we know we're making disciples when none of us are like agreeing? Well, it's, it's just being in community or it's leading someone to Jesus or it's, it's following Jesus. What does that even mean, right? Like, wh- honestly, what does that mean? And so tonight, what I want to do, really quickly, if you don't learn anything, I just want to define a disciple, all right? And I believe the definition comes out of the scripture where Jesus calls the disciples in the first place. It's Matthew 4, 19. I'll have it on the screen. I just want us to look at this verse, because I believe in this verse, we see what it, I mean, they're out there minding their own business. They're just like fishing, minding their own business. And Jesus comes, and he just calls out to them, and they leave their nets, right? And they follow them in forever change. They start the church. They get to walk with Jesus for all these. I mean, amazing. But here was the call. Very simple. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Some of you have heard this. You've heard this call. I believe in that call. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men is where we get our definition of a disciple. And I believe there's three things in that, not just one. Three things. And all three have to be true, okay? So if we look back at the verse, just look at the verse again, it says this, follow me. A disciple is, bingo, someone following Jesus. Someone following Jesus. I think we'd all agree that is a disciple, someone who is trying to learn from him. 
And I think sometimes in our language, a disciple, it, I would like to say it's like an apprentice. An apprentice is almost an even better word of description of what a disciple is. Someone who's apprenticing under, learning from a master. In this day, they would get under the yoke or the teaching of a rabbi and learn from them. So it's someone who is under that and is following Jesus, but it's more. And I will make you, I will make you. That is, we as disciples will be transformed. You are being changed. Someone who is following Jesus, someone who is being changed by Jesus because he's making us into something. And what is he making us into? Number three, fishers of men, someone who is on mission for Jesus. I believe a disciple isn't just one of these. I believe they're all three true, that if you're going to follow him, he's going to make something in you. He's going to do something in you that is you are going to change, and he's going to call us to his mission. We get to be a part of his kingdom, his rule, and this is a disciple. So if anyone asks you, what do you think a disciple is? Our answer tonight is based on Matthew 4, 19. A disciple is someone who's following Jesus, someone who's being changed by Jesus, and someone who's on mission for Jesus. So first, we've got to be a disciple, and then God calls us to make disciples. These disciples were being disciples these three years that they were with Jesus. They were learning from him. They were walking with him. He was doing crazy stuff. They were like, couldn't figure out what was he doing next. I mean, it would have been hard to be a disciple. You could see their confusion most of the time. They would ask him questions like, like well, hey man, when are you, uh, you going to be king and take over the Romans? And he's like, I'm actually going to die. And they're like, wait, what? Like, what are you doing? You know? And then they're like, hey, it's a ghost. Oh, it's Jesus. He's walking on the water. Like crazy, right? Now, we're used to the stories, but for them, can you even imagine following Jesus, what that looked like? They're trying to keep up, trying to like understand, but Jesus would teach them, and he was such an intentional leader, bringing them along, teaching them, and then he's leaving and going, now I want you to go, to go and do likewise. Take 11, 12 guys, do the same thing. And this is why home groups are so important to us. It's our primary way of making disciples. If you're not in community, you're tonight attending, and we love that. We love that you're here, but we wouldn't actually consider you connected to the bridge. We would consider you attending, and we love that you're attending, but we want you to be connected. We want you to be in community. This is how Jesus did it, that we would walk together and be in community together in the ups, in the downs, that this is how we do life, and this is how it was modeled. I don't have a lot of time to go here, but let me, let me just break down these three things. I said at the beginning, who are you following and why? Because the reality is you cannot follow Jesus and follow the world. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. That's what the Bible calls an undivided heart. In fact, it says, uh, Luke 16, no one can serve two masters. Either he loves one and is devoted to him or he... And, or he, uh, oh, I messed it up. He loves one, is devoted to one, and despises the other. You cannot serve God in money. He's speaking specifically about money, but about idolatry and serving two things. You can't. Last week, you remember we talked about this, that your mind, when it's set on the flesh, it is opposed to the things of the spirit. But a mind set on the spirit is opposed to the things of the flesh, and they're at war. You cannot serve both. You will be devoted to one, hate the other. And so, are you going to follow Jesus? And to follow Jesus specifically, it is this. Let me just break it down. Because, yeah, I'm following Jesus. Oh, cool. Like, you are? What does that look like? It looks like three things. You're following his teachings. Remember, he said, uh, and teach them to observe everything I've commanded. That is, a disciple is someone who is following Jesus. That is, following his teachings. 
He taught this, and I'm going to do it. I think a lot of times we think that Jesus spoke only in like philosophy, like these are great ideas, like someone should have this attitude and be poor in spirit. No, he, he taught in this way, meaning for the disciples to do it, to follow this. As a disciple of Jesus, Jesus is inviting us to put his words into practice and find them to be true. And so starting off, what are his teachings? I just real quick want to say, if you'll check out Matthew 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, it's his most famous sermon. It's like all of his teaching in three chapters. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, he lines out so many things of his teachings right there. And so to obey his teachings means, because of Matthew 5, 23, that I'm going to forgive people. That I'm going to give to people in need, Matthew 6, 2. I'm going to do that. I will pray, I will fast, Matthew 6, 5. I will live for eternity and not this world because he teaches us not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where everything goes away, but to be rich to God and lay up treasures in heaven, Matthew 6. He, he teaches us not to lash out in anger and hate people. I'm not gonna walk in hate. I'm not gonna retaliate at people, Matthew 5, 30, uh, 38. I'm not gonna lust after men and women and lust after sex. I'm not gonna live anxious about my life or try to make my life something. I'm gonna seek God's way in his kingdom more than my own. I will seek God's kingdom. Whatever I want people to do to me, that's how I'm gonna treat them. These are Jesus's teachings and he's actually saying, do them. The Beatitudes are these attitudes. I wanna invite you in to being spiritually bankrupt before God, to be humble before God because you got nothing before him. And if you will be, if you be humble before God, you get God. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. It belongs to them. He wants us to be broken over sin because he himself will comfort us. Jesus is inviting us into this different way of life. And none of that looks like the world. The world's like, go get yours, man. Like, make something of yourself. Make a name for yourself. Store up stuff because you never know what's going to happen. Make sure you have enough money in the bank and everything's good. And Jesus' teachings aren't that. So as a disciple, Jesus is inviting us to put his words into practice and find them to be true. And what I love about the definition of a disciple really is it all boils down to following Jesus because the outcome of following Jesus is being changed. You don't have to like change yourself. He says, I will make you this. So number two will be true of your life. It's an evidence that you really are following Jesus because you can say you're following Jesus all day. I mean, words are cheap. Like, yeah, I'm following God. But if you look the same next year at this time that you do now, you don't look any more like Jesus. God hasn't done anything and hasn't removed the anger or the bitterness or redeemed some of that stuff, then I would dare say you're probably not following him because he will change us. And in John 13, 35, it says, by this, the whole world will know we're his disciples by what? Anybody? Anybody know it? The world will know we're his disciples by the love that we have for each other. That's how the world knows that we're followers of Jesus, by the way we treat people, by the way we speak about people, by the way we invite people in, love them and are for them, no matter who they are. That's the difference that Jesus makes. And I'm telling you, that is not in me. I'm judgmental. Man, I write people off. I give them two, three chances, and I'm like, I'm done. But Jesus is changing that in me. 
And so I'm hoping that I look more like him at this time next year when we all meet together again than I did right now. So I want him to change me. So how do you talk to people? Do you build them up? Or do you tear people down? How do you treat people? Do you include others? Do you think about people more than yourself? And finally, a disciple is on mission. And I love it because he called them fishers of men. And here's what's so amazing about that. They were fishing. That's why he said that term. They were fishing. He's saying, hey, this is your day job. Your day job now has way bigger implications. It's not about just fishing. It's not about the Sea of Galilee. It's not about these fish and just making a living for yourself. With what you're doing, with whatever you find yourself to do, I want you to glorify me with it. You're going to become a fisher of men. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a nurse, and you're going to work on healing people. I want you to heal through not just their body, but their soul through the blood of Jesus. I want you to share me with them. You're going to be a lawyer and be about justice, and you're going to bring about my justice to this world. Because God is a God of justice and loves justice. That the oppressed and the voiceless would have a voice. So I want to be about that. I don't know what you're striving to become, but I'm telling you, you don't all have to be pastors to glorify God. Some of you might be called to that, by the way. And if you feel that, I'd love to talk to you about it. We don't talk about that much in the church, being called to vocationally like serving in a church. If that's you, I would love to talk to you about that. Side note. But for the rest of you, if you can see yourself doing anything else, do it. Because God wants to use what you are already doing for his kingdom, for his glory, as a cheerleader, as an athlete, as someone in this English class at MSU, that God wants you to be on mission where you are. You are God's plan for the people around you, for them to know. And I shared this verse last week, Romans 10, 13, how uh, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on him if they've not heard? And how can they hear unless we tell them? And how can we tell them unless we are sent? Romans 10. And God's saying to us all tonight, green light, you're sent. Go into the world, make disciples. Tell them about me. Witness. You don't have to defend me. You don't have to know all the answers. This world is not needing all the answers. They're needing authentic Christians who struggle just like them, but they can see the way we struggle is actually different. Leaning on something else, having hope in something else, following God, walking out as forgiven sons and daughters. When I look at Jesus' life, um, sometimes it's overwhelming to me. I don't know if anyone else is like this. If Jesus really meant for me to look like him one day, like my goal is to look like Jesus, to be like him, I feel so far off from that. Anybody else feel that way? Like, there's no way. I don't know. It may just be me. Sometimes I feel like there is no way. But I want to tell you a secret I learned at COVID, and I forgot to get some, so hang tight. I got to get my thing. During COVID, y'all, I, uh, I was bored. We had to stay in the house a lot. You guys remember. You guys remember COVID, right? Yeah, so fun. Let's talk about it some more. Um, we just stay in the house a lot. We didn't know what was going on. It really was scary originally. I mean, it really was. And um, I mean, it still is. There's still people really affected. Um, but guys, I, uh, I took up painting because I was bored. And if you'll show the picture back there, Jace, of the little tree, the little red tree, 
Uh, I tried to paint this at COVID, and um, this is how it turned out. I mean, that's pretty good. 175 followers, guys. I don't like to brag. I, I tried to eyeball it. I tried to, I tried to eyeball it and get it close. Now, it's close, but it's not exact. Here's what's wrong with that. This was a paint by numbers. You know what paint by numbers is? Like, all you got to do is follow directions. All you got to do is like, it's a number five. You paint this color in it. And I was like, nah, I'm going to just, I'm going to eyeball this thing. And so I just didn't want to do that. That takes too long. And I eyeballed it. And uh, that's bad. I mean, that's not good. But I kept it because God taught me something. This one is the real one. That's good, right? That's good. But now that I tell you I painted that by paint by numbers, are you impressed at all? It's like, great, he can follow directions on a kid painting. Um, here's the thing. Following Jesus is a lot like this. And here's what I mean. When we see the big picture of who Jesus is, it, it feels like a lot. But actually, following Jesus is simple. It's just hard. Because we think that what God wants from us is that one yes, that one time to get baptized, to give our lives to Jesus and say yes to him, and we're good. But really, following Jesus is a thousand yeses. Daily another yes, another yes. Paint it here, paint this one here, paint this one here. I think I even have a time lapse so you can get how long this actually takes. If you're gonna follow, if you're gonna do one at a time, a yes at a time, it's going to take time. Can you launch that for me? You the man. I was trying to cue you like we didn't go over this. I mean, this takes a little bit of time. This is simple, but it's not easy, right? Following Jesus is very simple. When we say yes to him, like he wants me to love someone, so I'm going to say yes today. And tomorrow I get up and he wants me to give to that person, and I just say yes today. And after all these yeses and all this time as it takes that I say yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus, God does something in my life and changes me and turns it into something that I could have never done in my life. I could never look like Jesus on my own. But yes after yes after yes, God does something in us. And Jesus himself modeled this. John 5, 19, check out what he says here. Truly I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does it. He is following his leader. He is saying yes, submitting to the father as, as the earthly son. Saying yes. As the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you can marvel. You don't have to be a great painter to paint this. All you have to do is say yes a lot and have patience and keep at it and keep trying and keep going. It's a thousand yeses. It is not a one-time yes. And so tonight, I just want to end before the band comes and we respond. I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Who are you following, Really? Who are you listening to? Who are you saying yes to 
We're all following something or someone. Who are you following? Are you following his teachings, his example, listening for his voice? For some of you, I want to ask, what is your next yes? What's that one yes that I need? Some of you, you said yes tonight, I need to get baptized. That might have been a step. Some of you, you may not have made that step, and that's your first yes. I just need to say yes. I need to start doing it. Why? Because Jesus said to. That's why. That's all I need to know. We can explain it more, but, but I'm just telling you, like, Jesus wants that for me, so I'm going to just say yes. For some of us, it's to honor the Sabbath. Maybe the reason you're so anxious, so stressed out, is you don't actually rest every week like God commands. For some of you, it's to stop speaking the way you speak about people. Stop lusting after sex. To step away from bad influences and bad friends and step towards good community. Maybe you say yes to a home group tonight. To stop dishonoring your body and what you put in it. To renew your mind by starting to memorize a verse. Yes, Lord, I'm gonna memorize that verse. To forgive someone, that's a hard one. It's easy to say and very difficult. But some of you, you are held captive by unforgiveness and bitterness. And God wants you to say, yes, would you release that to me? Would you trust me with that? Would you give that over? Some of you, you need to give something tonight. That's a yes. Not to me, not to this child. I don't know. Maybe to the church. You need to let go of money so it doesn't have a grip on you. You need to love somebody. Maybe you just need to serve somewhere. God's been calling you to do that. And you just need to step up and say, I'll... I want to be a part. I want to jump in and help. But as the band comes and leads us right now, uh, I want to encourage you with something. And some weeks it's good to just jump up and sing, but other weeks like this, just take your time. We're not going anywhere. We still have time. But just sit and think about these questions. What is God speaking to me? What would a yes be to you right now, God? Don't jump right up into singing. Let's just take a moment now. When you're ready, only you can answer these questions. Only you can say yes to God the way you know you need to say yes. But I want to encourage you to take the courage to do that, to say yes to him tonight. So Lord, uh, we just come before you tonight. And I confess, when I look at Jesus' life, I don't feel like my life's much like yours at all. Um, Still things I struggle with, still things that seem hard for me to overcome. God, your call to follow you is a call to come, take up my cross daily and follow you. And you said in your word that anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but the one who loses his life for my sake, he will save it. So God, just again, I just come with another yes of surrender. A yes of surrender tonight. God, it's yours. I'm yours. Would you give us the courage and the faith and the boldness to trust you on the things you ask us to trust you in? Help us to say yes to you, we ask in Jesus' name.